Do you feel the warmth of the covers as you tuck yourself in? Do you smell the fragrance of freedom in the summertime wind? Have you ever been so found on the bridge of a daydream that the sense of reality is lost in the stream? Now those are the moments where we get a brief glimpse, a peek at a world without the Satan or imps. When life is light as love, the three are the same. No need for embarrassment or worry, hatred or shame. Though these glimpses are just that, they're not meant to last. They can't survive in this land. They're brief, then they're past. But you crave and you cry for it to come back because without its existence, your existence lacks. Our satisfaction is short, but our desires extend. So our drive for satisfaction arrives at a dead end. If we have desires that this world can't possibly quench, then we're created for a different world. To it, we must clench. Hey everybody, welcome to Pedestal. This is entry number three, and it's a good one today. I'm excited, so if you're new to Pedestal, welcome. Pedestal is a community of people who understand that though each human is a beautifully crafted piece of art, we're not the greatest artwork in the museum. In fact, our cracks and fractures are not even worthy of display, yet we are still valuable. Our value, however, is found in elevating the perfect artwork in order to glorify the master artist, our creator. So we serve our life as the pedestal. So let's just get on into it. Today was the debut of my poetry, and it's actually my most recent poem that you heard today. And so the other day I was sitting on my bedroom floor and I just kind of looked at my uh, comforter, and I was like, man, that's such a comfortable thing to lay under, and I love just getting under it at night, especially certain nights you just get, you know, just that feeling of just absolute comfort, and it gets me excited, and um, I just love it. It's just this peace of mind and this almost euphoric experience just getting under it, and it just, it's very brief. It's just a very brief moment, but it's just that way, and then you you move on, but I often find myself having those throughout many different times of of my life. And maybe you have those too where, you know, maybe it's a cup of coffee in the morning where you just have the hot coffee and you're listening to your favorite music, your favorite song comes on, your favorite podcast, or uh, maybe you're just doing quiet time with the Lord and God is just speaking to you heavy during that quiet time. Or maybe you're in the middle of a prayer And you just feel the presence of God, and it's just this amazing, overwhelming feeling. Um, Maybe you're fishing, and you just look out at the beauty and see the world. Or maybe you're hiking and get to the top of the mountain, and you look out and just see God's beauty, and you feel so small, yet it's also so awesome because your worries feel so small at the same time. And no matter what it is, uh, eating a cake eating your favorite cake in the world or whatever. I don't know. But if you've ever had that feeling and you you just get almost overwhelmed with this giddy experience of, of excitement or, um, again, euphoria, something like that, like if you've had that feeling, then you kind of know what I'm, what I'm talking about. 
Um, and, and the examples I used were the warmth of covers as you tuck yourself in or the fragrance of freedom in the summertime wind, just smelling the, the summer air. And the third one is being so found on the bridge of a daydream, like that, that moment in between when you're not in the dream at all, the daydream at all, and when you're completely gone in that daydream. There's kind of a middle ground that you're in, um, like in that transition stage where you don't even really know what's happening fully, but you kind of kind of find your cares slip away and it's just, yeah, it's just kind of a surreal moment. Um, and it's that it's the sense of reality is lost in the stream. Um, and so if you know what I'm talking about, then, you know, if you don't, uh, then you will just pay more attention to those experiences because you're going to have those moments in time. But I don't know. Um, there's something about those moments that I cherish so much. There's also stuff about those moments that I hate because when I feel those moments, I know that they're fleeing, right? They're, they're very fleeting moments. And again, they're so short and brief because then you start, maybe after you see that your problems are so small because the world is so big, but then you've now got your mind on your problems because you're thinking, oh man, my problems are so small. And then you start running through what your problems are and you're like, oh gosh, maybe they're not that small. Um, and it's those moments where you kind of feel it go away that I hate. Um, I wish I just could have those and just rest in those moments all the time. But I think it's a really cool thing that God allows those moments to be so brief because I think he gives us these little snapshots of heaven, of peace, of an eternal rest, of an eternal Sabbath that he is, he is wanting us to experience on earth, but we can't fully. We're not, our, our sinful ways, our fleshly ways don't allow us to fully embrace that and experience that true peace and rest. But he's given us little snapshots and, and little teasers so that we can kind of understand what that feeling in heaven is going to be like when you're just at eternal peace and eternal bliss. And man, that gets me so excited. I'm just so ready for that moment. And I don't want to lose those moments here and now because I'm too worried about life, right? I'm too on the go because oftentimes when we're on the go, last week we talked about kind of being in the here and now, uh, not being in a hurry and all that stuff. And so I think when we are in a hurry, we obviously miss those moments, Um so yeah, just just kind of experiencing that and and what God will do for us and and how he will grow us and how he will give us those little shots of hope over and over again throughout our life. I think it's just a really beautiful thing. It reminds me of this article that I saw on Facebook the other day about oysters. And I know that sounds crazy, but it reminds me of this article about oysters and I'll read that article to you. So if you're listening right now, it is May 3rd when I'm recording this, and we're in the middle of COVID-19, and actually we're kind of on the latter half of it, uh, it seems like at least, because places are starting to open up a little bit, but we're in the middle of this massive pandemic, and so this article talks about the 1918 influenza pandemic, and so just listen as I read here, and so the, the article goes like this, it says, During the 1918 influenza pandemic, oysters were the hoarder equivalent of today's toilet paper. 
Stockpiling was ubiquitous, prices skyrocketed, black markets developed. Poachers raided oyster beds. You can often see still the remnants of single-room guardhouses built in the middle of the bay where guards with shotguns stood lookout. Now, why the hysteria? Legend had it that oysters could fend off the flu, especially the rich, briny broth locked inside. And as legends go, it was fairly sound science. Zinc has been proven to be an immunity booster, and oysters are the zinc powerhouses. Pound for pound, these bivalves might be the best possible source of zinc. Now back then, oysters weren't raised as cocktail-sized delicacies. Before steaks and chicken breasts, oysters were harvested at full size, providing a major source of protein for communities close to the shore. Think oyster stew for dinner. Now, full-size oysters would grow for four or five years, and they are a relic, as out of fashion as shoulder pads. But now that restaurants are on intermission, and restaurants account for 90% of oyster sales, maybe more of these beloved bivalves will be given the space to grow into maturity. Savor the benefits of the adult oyster? I think so. If not now, when? Now, after reading that article, it kind of brought this whole new perspective for me on what COVID-19 is. I keep thinking, well, maybe it's just a time because humans are so go, go, go. This is a good time to stop. Or maybe it's because, you know, we are doing a bunch of things wrong in unhealthy ways. And this is almost like a plague that God is sending down and allowing to happen in order to kind of gear his people back to him, like you see all throughout scripture. And I don't really know, and so I try to make sense of it all. But this was such a cool uh, vantage point for me because instead of being so self-centered, which those very well may be true, but I think God is so multi-layered that it, it's I, I doubt it's just one or the other, right? And so there's probably many things that go along with this. And maybe it's part of this world that we have created where we are so take, 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 and create, create, create with new things and manufacture and industrialize the God's earth, that this is a good break for his creation, that his animals, his, his trees, that any living being now has the opportunity to grow and to kind of repopulate itself, bumblebees. And there's so many different living things that are like this oyster that you see where it's finally given the chance to grow and we can start seeing new beauty in it, but not just for us, but for those living beings and for those creations in and of themselves, that God cares about each of those as well. And um, this may sound really hippie, but I'm kind of a hippie myself. So just bear with me. Uh, And along with that article, it shows this picture of this full-grown, full-sized, four or five-year-old oyster beside the one-year-old oysters that we've been harvesting. And just looking at the two, you can obviously tell one is more developed and mature than the other. And so when I look at that, I, I can go different ways with this, but you can look at it as, man, God has created these things and he wants them to grow and mature, but we have been so go, go, go that we haven't allowed his creation to grow. And so now we finally get to see that. But also maybe 
again, to focus back on us, because I do believe it's multifaceted, maybe this is God's season for us as humans to grow. It's that season of just being and being in rest and being in Shabbat where he stopped everything so that we can't just be on the go all the time, that our jobs can't distract us, that it's that time for us to just grow into mature followers of Christ because we always make a million excuses of why we can't. And now's an obvious time and when we have the opportunity. And so maybe what what I believe is that God has been moving already in this world and that I truly believe, based on what I've seen in the globalizing church, how we, we got all these church online where people from Africa and India and China are able to tune in to churches across the world, to good Bible-preaching, truth-speaking churches, that I truly believe that we are in the middle of a revival, that we're not waiting or hoping for one in the future, but we're in the middle of it. So I know that God is doing things. He's trying to, he's, he's been doing these things. But I also believe that because the world is so globalized, that anybody can have a voice. That I can jump onto this podcast and speak to whoever listens, right? That a lot of people out there who don't know scripture, who aren't saturating themselves in the word of God and in prayer time and, and with wholesome music and with wholesome talk and with a group of people who are building them up, and speaking life into them, that those people can come on to Instagram or any podcast app or YouTube or whatever and just speak and speak as though it's true, speak with confidence as though it's true, but it doesn't really line up with scripture. And so essentially we are one-year-old oysters who are being harvested into the ministry, whether it's by a mentor who just sees something in us and pulls us out or whether we're just jumping in on our own, but we're not stopping and resting and praying enough and being in the word enough to actually hear from God when is the right time. And so I think we're a lot of one-year-old harvested oysters who are being eaten, but nobody's really getting meat and substance that they would from a four or five-year-old mature oyster, full-size oyster. And I'm not saying this has anything to do with age. There are some 18-year-old kids that I've come across in my ministry. I can think of one in particular out in Arkansas from a tiny little uh, high school called Mountainburg High School. And this dude was like 16 years old, if that, maybe 15. And I heard him tell his testimony and he told it with power. And he lived it out. And all his friends were like, yeah, this man is is all about the Lord and he, and he loves us and he cares for us. And so I'm not saying this has anything to do with age. I think it, it has something to do with spiritual age and, and where you are in your walk with the Lord. And some people can make that jump. God will work in you instantly. If you are willing to humble yourself completely each and every day before him, he will move in you and mature you as fast as you're willing to allow him to. Now, a lot of us postpone that by, telling God to kind of hold off because we have our own plans and we have our own, our own desires and we don't want to get into our, our Bible reading every morning. We don't want to get in a small group because it's hard or difficult. We don't want to move to a new church, one that's going to help us grow because sometimes we get locked in these churches and we're loyal to these churches that aren't really feeding us truth, aren't really growing us, aren't showing love to us and pouring into us as they should be. And so we get locked into those. 
and don't explore and God's calling us to. There's a million different things. Um, and I'm not, uh, I don't know what yours is, obviously, but that's something to pray about and think about. And maybe this is a moment where God's kind of prompting you to do one of these things or, or maybe something different. But I hope it, this will at least prompt you to prayer and figuring out what God wants you to do in your life. But anyways, I, I think we are these one-year-old tiny oysters that we are eating. And it takes us 80 oysters, you know, before we're completely full. But if you wait until you're fully grown, full-size mature believer, and that doesn't mean you have every answer, but you're waiting on God's call to call you out. That is maturity. It's not that you have every answer. It's, I know this is what God wants me to do, and not just what my friends want me to do, what my parents want me to do, what I want to do. This is what God is calling me to do. That's full maturity. And when God calls you out to do that, that's when you'll see an impact. That's when you'll see power and influence and God's hand at work because it's not yours. When when I give these messages, you can probably tell because I'm kind of everywhere, but I have nothing planned. I have nothing scripted. No matter what message I, I speak, whether I'm in a group of 10 people in a small FCA group or if I'm speaking in front of 250 people at a D now, like whatever, whoever I'm speaking to, I trust that the Lord is going to provide the words. I kind of have an idea of what he's put on my heart, but my study time is throughout the week, is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that it's there's no days off. And I don't have to prepare for the messages if I know God's heart, if that makes sense. Kind of where I got this idea and, and where, I, where I finally understood this is what I need to do, because I used to try to write everything out. I remember when I went to Oklahoma with a youth uh, to work in a youth group with a student ministry out there. I was kind of new to the ministry. I just recently graduated uh, from college, like less than a year prior, or maybe a little over a year prior. I don't know. But I went out there and I did not feel good giving messages. I was not good at it. And so I thought, you know, somebody says, hey, can you give us a message on? God's love or God's, you know, grace, it would take me forever. I would, because I didn't know the Bible well enough on my own. So I would sit here and, and look up, okay, God's grace. Let's look up verses online. What does the Bible say about God's grace? And I would search those things and I would find some verses and probably pull them out of context and place those and use them as kind of my points to my message. And then I would go try to find quotes from people. And then I would go to Blue Letter Bible and try to find what these certain verses mean and how to apply it. And I was really just trying to customize my words to this topic because I didn't know much about it. And so I, I was using all these other outside sources. And and God kind of hit me one day because I just did not feel any power coming from my messages. It did not feel good. I dreaded making or creating messages because it felt like it was so much work. It would take me so long. And God hit me one day, um, and it was really wasn't until I moved to Arkansas when I had witnessed my wife, who she's in medical school, as I've mentioned, but my parents or my brother or somebody would call her and be like, hey, I've been having this issue with uh, in my side, and it's been hurting, and they'd kind of describe to her the pain, and she would be able to, off the top of her mind, off the top of her memory, be able to 
start to figure out what it could possibly be and why it could potentially be those things. Um, and I was kind of in shock by that because my parents wouldn't like call her and be like, hey, I'm going to ask you about the gallbladder in 15 minutes, okay? So I just want to make sure you're studied up and know what everything about the gallbladder before I call you and then hang up and then call back 15 minutes later after she's studied. And she's like, well, you know, I've gathered this information and hopefully this helps. No, she knew the body system well enough because she has studied it day in, day out for hours at a time, just saturating herself in the body and understanding how the body systems function. And once she has a picture of how the body systems function, she may not know everything about the body, but she knows the, the system so well that if somebody says, I'm having an issue with this part of the system in this area of my body, she can use her knowledge and connect the dots and be able to figure out, pinpoint what is probably the cause and, and how to treat that. And it really just was so revolutionary for me because I'm like, man, God works in systems. God creates the solar systems, right? He creates... Uh, this plant ecosystems. He creates the human body, which is a massive system. Everything that he creates is made up of systems. And so I'm like, man, that would mean that scripture is a system. The Bible is a system. God has created this Bible, but it all points back to him. And so it's this perfect system of events, series of, of words and poems and mysteries and historic truths and stories that he's put together to make this perfect system that point us back to him and his truth. And so I was like, man, if I just study the word and and try to get an idea of the system and ask God to give me wisdom on this system, then when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, what does God think about teamwork? God, what does God think about, can you give us a message on freedoms that we have as believers? I can pull those out of my knowledge because I, not because I know it all, not because I know everything, but because I know his system, because I've been studying his system daily over and over again and just embedding it into my mind that when it is finally time to speak on a topic that, that has, may have a gray area, I know how he acts in all these other areas and I'll be able to pinpoint what God would, would say about that or how he would feel about something like that because I know him well enough. And it's not necessarily even my doing, but it's the Holy Spirit who moves in me and gives me words. And so that's a lot. I know it's kind of crazy, but I say all that to say I don't write out messages anymore. I don't have outlines or bullet points or anything. I, I I have an idea that God's kind of placed on my heart, like, hey, you're going to talk about this today. And then I'll get in front of this microphone or in front of the people, whoever I'm speaking to, and just kind of go and trust that the Lord is going to work there. And it's the same thing that we see Paul talk about in 1 Corinthians 2, where he says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And, and that's a big thing, is 
that doesn't work if you don't trust that God shows up. But I truly believe that God is alive and active in this world and in our hearts and in our minds, and that whatever He has me say, it will be exactly what whoever listening needs to hear. And maybe it's not even for this exact moment. Maybe it's for a moment in the future. And so you may hear this and be like, that's stupid. That's dumb. But later, God reminds you of, of, of something that was said in the past, and it just pieces together. I believe his sovereignty is that great. And why is because I've done that. I've been in that boat where I've heard messages that instantly pierce my heart. And I'm like, man, it's like God is talking to me right now. And then I've heard other messages where I'm like, I'm not really getting anything out of this. But later down the road, maybe even a few years down the road, God brings that message back up to me. And I was like, I was talking to you and I I planted that in your mind, put it in a reservoir. And now I'm giving it to you. Um, And it's amazing. It really is amazing when you experience that. And so that's, that's something that I hope this this COVID nineteen season brings is is a an ability to grow from that immature oyster to a fully grown full size mature oyster as far as our spiritual walk grows because if you can just look up online you can probably find the picture of of, of the difference in the one year old and the fully full size four or five year old oyster. And when you see the difference, it's amazing at how much more meat and substance is in the bigger one. But that's what I want to be. I, I hope that when I, when, I, when I speak, that there's substance there, that there is meat for you to chew on and for you to digest and that it will be nutritious to your soul. And not because it's the, the substance that I have on my own. It's what God has given me. And I I know that God has called me to start this podcast. I felt God calling this podcast, even as I've resisted. And and over the past two years, He has I've felt the calling to do this. I'd mentioned that in the intro. But it's not until now that I'm actually able to come out and, and speak this because I, I truly believe that now God is saying, All right, go and jump into it. And so I, I know that this is speaking to somebody, and I'm excited to to hear your feedback on on how God has spoken to you in this time. And it, it, it's sometimes hard to, to figure out what is our next step, whether that is to turn our life to Christ for the first time and say, God, I've been doing this life on my own and trying to figure it out as I go, thinking that you're leading me every step of the way when you're really not, because he, he's guiding us, but maybe we're not actually listening to him. And so we're not being led by him. Even though he wants to, we're not being led by him. And so if that's you, um, I just pray that you will turn your life to Christ right now. I pray that you will use this moment as a marker in your life uh, and in the generations to come for your entire family to make this a point to say, okay, uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know what I'm doing on my own. And I keep screwing up every time I try to do life on my own. And I understand that God is sovereign. God is God and I am not. And so I'm going to surrender to his will and to what he has for me and his His guidance. And man, if you do that, I really pray that you will post that on the pedestal Facebook page, especially under this episode, just so that we can see what God is doing in and through your life. And, and that's pretty much the message today. I really really hope that you guys will take 
these moments, take all of COVID-19, this quarantine, uh, the little bit, hopefully, that we just have left and 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 feel it as that moment of a little bit of that Sabbath, that peace that God wants you to have. That COVID-19 for you can give you a new perspective and allow you to feel the warmth of the covers as you tuck yourself in and the smell, the fragrance of freedom in the summertime wind. And those moments that you are so found on the bridge of a daydream that the sense of reality is lost in the stream. And I'm going to leave you with this quote that really inspired today's poem. And it's by C.S. Lewis. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. And it goes, If we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And I believe that that world is an eternity in heaven with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So thank you guys for tuning in. I will catch you next week. Much love and God bless.